0: Good morning, church. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Beautiful Lord's Day. Good singing and good Good to be with you. I'm glad that you've chosen to be here on this day. Uh, before we get started, there's something important I need to tell you. Um, if if you were here uh, last Sunday, uh, you may remember because I know when you hear me preach, you hang on every word that I say. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the response I thought. Yeah, amen, 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 amen. And there will be a time to repent of those lies when we before we have Lord's Supper. But, but you may remember that I, I talked about the fact that at, say, convention, I have two jobs now. Uh, the one I was hired for, Senior Associate Executive Director, and then the one that got thrust upon me at the beginning of uh, July, the interim Executive Director. Um, so we we've, we've been trying to navigate through that and figure out how to make all that work. But it appears that in in the next several weeks that my responsibilities as interim will continue to increase as we get ready for things like state convention and, and those those things are coming. So because of all that, uh, it became painfully obvious to me that I was not have enough time to dedicate to you guys uh, and and do what you needed me to do and deserved for me to do. So sadly, today I need to tell you that uh, if if you'll let me stay, I'll stay through the end of September, and um, and then I, then I've got I've got to stop this interim and focus on some other things that the Lord has put in front of me, um, and I don't see any way around it. So I don't know whether you will receive that news sadly or gladly, but uh, after after. Praying about it and and listening to my wife. And by the way, most of the time when God speaks to me, it sounds just like my wife. Um, she is a godly woman and uh, she she shares God with me frequently. But it appears to be uh, our only option. I can't tell you uh, how much I've enjoyed the past uh, ten months that I've been with you. Um, it's been an incredible time for me. Uh, a time for me to grow spiritually and, and personally, uh, to develop friendships that uh, will last through eternity. And so, church, I, I appreciate the privilege that you've given me to come and help walk you through this transition and uh, just hang out with each other as we've been in the Word of God and looking at what the Lord's going to do. I, I have no doubt, uh, I have no doubt that the Lord has a great guy. Prepared for you to come be your next senior pastor, and one of the reasons you're really going to like him is he's going to follow me, and most people that follow me look really good, so it's it's gonna it's gonna work out well, and you've got a great uh, a great future. The search team is working hard. I've met with them a couple of times. Uh, they've got a stack of resumes that choke a good sized horse, and and somewhere in that. That probably, that analogy probably didn't work for most of you. They just got a bunch of, a bunch of resumes from folk, and, and I've no doubt that in that stack is the one that God has intended uh, to come and be your pastor. So thank you, church. Uh, if, you'll, if you will allow, I'd, I'd love to spend today with you and through September, and uh, then, then step away. But we thought, as, as Talk Leadership team last Sunday, we thought that it would be better sooner to tell you this then later. Uh, so you, you pray um, for me as I go through this next kind of transition, and I promise you that I will pray for you and will continue to do that. Uh, my, my morning drive from my house to the office is about an hour, a little over an hour, in fact. And every morning, I spend part of that time listening to preachers on the radio, and I spend part of that time praying. And I, er, Every morning in my prayer, I pray for this church. God has a great and glorious future for you, uh, and I, the, the fact that he's allowed me to stay with you for these months is a blessing that I will not forget, I promise, and when we get past it and I get to look back on it, I will always look back on it with a smile on my heart and a smile on my face and joy in my spirit that the Lord Jesus allowed me to come and hang out with you guys for this season of your lives, amen, amen, amen. amen. Good, well, we should take up an offering and call it good. Then you want to? <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> you might know the deacons would jump at that opportunity, right? <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, this morning it's just uh, a one verse sermon. Uh, and those of you that don't know me would think, "Man, this is going to be short." Oh no, 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 no! You can sometimes you can do more than one verse, and you can do with three or four chapters. But the verse I want to I want to spend some time with you this morning may be, may be one of the best-known, if not the best-known verses in the entire Bible. We find it in, in, the, in the Gospel of John. Uh, we find it in John chapter 3. Remember that your Bible has two testaments, an, an old one and a new one. Uh, and, 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 and so this Gospel of John is going to be found in the new one, which is kind of toward the back of your Bible. And I, if you've got a scripture with you, I'd love for you to find it and open it. And you you know that it's going to be John three 16. You're already ahead of me and you've got it memorized. I'm just going to encourage you to open your Bibles and look at it one more time. And, and if it were possible, I would say to you, you ought to look at it as if though you have never seen it before. That you, that you come to John 3.16 not without any uh, preconceptions or, or notions about what it says or doesn't say, but as if it is the very first time that you have seen these words put together in the way that they are in John 3.16. Man, if, if my magic wand were not in the shop, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd wave it right now so that you could see this verse for the very first time and allow the truth of it and the glory of it and the wonder of it to sink into your heart and into your spirit. Father God, today we get to talk about an incredible verse. A verse that doesn't have a lot of words in it, but boy, it's got a lot of meaning in it. And I pray, Father, that as we just kind of tamp the brakes just a little bit and slow down the busyness of our lives, that God, you would allow us somehow to see this verse and these words fresh and new and that God the excitement of what you say in this verse would overwhelm us God the holiness of it would convict us and the truth of it would give us hope unimaginable in the blessed name of Jesus I pray amen and amen and all the Lord's people said Amen. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, see I switched back to the King James there, didn't I? But whosoever, and the reason I did is I love that word whosoever, maybe I'll get to talk about it in a minute, but whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you ever thought about the fact that that little verse begins with those two unique words for God? You say, well, Joe, why is that something that we ought to think about? That's a great question. And I think the answer to the question is because John 3.16 starts with for God. We are immediately reminded that this gospel thing is God's idea. (laughs) That this whole notion of Jesus coming to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to die a horrible death on a Roman cross for our sin and because of our sin, to be buried and to be raised on the third day. This whole thing about the gospel is God's idea. It's not something that man would make up. It's not something that we would ever think about creating on our own. So John 3:16 reminds us that it all starts with God. And by the way, it all starts with God. If we had time this morning, I would take you back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter one, verse one, where the scripture would say to us, "In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God." There he is in the very beginning of it all and understand that God just didn't appear in Genesis chapter one, verse one, but he was all the way into eternity past. There has never been a moment in the past that God did not exist. And then somehow in his sovereign plan, there is this moment in Genesis chapter one, verse one, where the scripture would remind us in the beginning, God. And if we read on, it would say that he created the heavens, And the earth. If we were to look at John chapter 1, verse 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1, we would find these words In the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was Jesus, coexistent with God, the Logos, the expression of God. If we were to compare that to what it says back in Genesis 1 and 2, we would understand that God created the universe by speaking it into existence, right? By the words that came forth from his mouth. And what we discover in John chapter one, verse one, is that the word that came forth from the mouth of God was none other than the Logos. It was none other than Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Everything was made by him and nothing that was made was made apart from him for God. You see friends, it all begins with him. God created it all, isn't it amazing? to think as huge as the universe is that God spoke it into existence, there would be some that would say to us today, Joe, the universe got here by a great big explosion. I can't imagine how big that explosion must have been to create this universe that we live in. And besides that, for the life of me, I've never seen an explosion create order. Every explosion that I've ever seen created disorder. It tore stuff up. It didn't put things together. So we understand that God spoke all of this into existence. He has always been, he is and he will always be. And then this glorious plan, in this glorious plan, Jesus was to come. Why? Why would God send Jesus? Knowing what we were gonna do to him, knowing what, how we were going to treat him, why would God send Jesus? That's a great question. If you look in John 3.16, we've got the answer. For God so loved the world. Did you notice that it doesn't just say that God loved the world? But that he so loved it. His love for us is above and beyond love. It is a It is a radical love. In fact, I would take it a step further and say to you that God's love for us is not just radical, but that God's love for us is scandalous. How can a holy, perfect God love people like me that are so unholy and so imperfect, and yet the Scripture is clear that God so loved the world? That his love for us was over the top, that it was more than sufficient, that it was incredible. It was scandalous for God so loved. You Realize that God loves you? You understand that when John 3.16 reminds us that for God so loved the world that you're part of that? That all of us are part of that? Let me me just stir up a little controversy and kind of a glancing blow and then I'll move on. But notice it doesn't say, for God so loved the elect, or that so God, God so loved the predestined, but that God loved the world. All of us. All of us. Me, you, everybody. God loves those that we would consider unlovable. God loves those that act nothing like us. He loves those that act just like us. Right? There is no one that God doesn't love. You say, Joe, how is that possible? That's a good question. You guys are sharp with your questions today. How's that possible? It's possible because the scripture tells us that love is the very character of God. God is love, He can't help Himself, He's love. And so anytime he interacts with any of us, it is out of this love. For God, there he is in the beginning, choosing to love us because he is love. If I could take just a little bit of a detour, I would say to you that if you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, You've given your life to Jesus and Jesus has saved you. This love, this love that we read about in John three sixteen, is in you. And along with it comes a responsibility, a duty, a privilege to love others. To love others that might not look like us or dress like us or talk like us or smell like us. But to love others all those that we come in contact with and even those that we don't because of the love of God in us, loving through us those that the rest of the world might find unlovable or undeserving or even unwilling. And yet I can find nowhere in Scripture where I'm giving an out. At the end of the day, I have no choice but to love you if I'm a Christ follower, I have to love you. Amen? Amen? Amen, I have to. I have to love those folks that are going to show up at 1030, for goodness sake. <laughs> you know, obviously, be, obviously it's lo- easier to love you guys. Look at you. But it's that 1030 crowd that'll stretch you. And by the way, when the 1030 crowd gets here, I'm going to talk to them about how easy it is to love them and how difficult it was to love you this morning. So don't get the high hat. Don't, don't get the big head and walk out of here with that notion because I'm going to play it on both ends. That's right. For God so loved the world. The word loved is an interesting word. You may know that in the Greek language, there are two or three words, maybe four, that are translated love. We don't have that benefit in the English language, right? We just say the word loved. And the curious thing about how we use it is is I use the very same word to talk about how I feel about ribeye steaks and how I feel about my wife. Right? I love a good ribeye. I love my wife. Now, I didn't put those in the right order, so don't anybody be texting her. I'm going to love her first and ribeye second. But that, that's really the only way that we have to talk about that, right? But in, in, in the original language in the New Testament, there, there, are, there are multiple words that are translated love. One of those Greek words that, are, that is translated love is the word agape, which, by the way, is the word that's used in John 3.16. Agape. It is a God love. It is a sacrificial love. It, it is a love that loves when there is no reason. There is a love, it is a love that, that, that loves with gifts and with grace. It is a love that, that loves totally and consumingly. For God so loved. Now how do we know, how do we know the character of this love that God has so loved us with? John three sixteen tells us. For God so loved the world, watch out. That he gave. You see, agape love is always evidenced by the gift. The quantity of the love is always proven by the quality of the gift. God so loved us that he gave, that he gave out of his own sacrificial spirit, out of his own generosity, out of his own grace and mercy, out of his own understanding that we have but one way. And that is Jesus God so loved us that he gave that he gave Not that we deserved not that we earned but that we so desperately needed And God out of his great love for us gave for God so loved the world that he gave Well what did he give us ah John 3, 16 tells, right? That he gave, if you've got a King James Bible with you, his only begotten son. The newer translations say his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Isn't it, isn't it a curious thing that the Bible would speak that way? That Jesus is the only begotten, the one and only son of God. They'd be curious that the Bible would speak that way because what that tells us is that, there, is that God only has one son. He's got innumerable children, but one son. God loved the world so much that he gave us his one and only son. You know, in the, in, in the news in the last several weeks, there's been quite a bit of stuff kind of floating around about UFOs and 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 aliens and stuff like that and everybody wants to know if there are UFOs and does that mean that there are other civilizations in the far flung stars you know what i don't know i don't have a clue but here's what i do know if there are UFOs and if there are aliens from civilizations in the far flung stars of our universe if that is the case okay But here's what I know. There's only one Son of God, and it is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son. He gave him up for us, which means that Jesus went to the cross for us, and there he would die for our sins. So God gave him up for us, but also God gave him to us. Because when when we are saved, when we come to that moment in our lives when we know that the only hope that we have is Jesus and we ask him to save us, he is given to us as our savior. For God so loved the world, that me and you, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever. I love that word. See, I go back to the King James Version almost every time, that whosoever. And I think the reason that I do is because I'm a whosoever. You're, you are a whosoever. God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever. We are whosoever. Let's go out on the street and watch the cars drive by. You know what? Everybody driving a car by the church this morning is a Whosoever the homeless population that walks the streets in front of the church on Sunday morning, every one of them, a whosoever. The person sitting next to you in your pew today is a whosoever. Those who would never darken darken the doors of this church, whosoever. God is not selective in who he loves. He loves us all. The whole world. Because remember, the Bible says he's not willing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. Y'all can amen anytime you want to. That's just good scripture. And so we come to John 3.16 and we have this amazing statement, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever. That's how I got in the family. I'm a whosoever that whosoever believes in him. Ah, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. It is by faith that we accept what Jesus has done for us. But understand, understand, it is not our faith. It is not some belief that we have ginned up on our own. But the faith that it requires to be saved is a gift from God in itself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. You remember? For by grace you're saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Wouldn't it be just like God to provide a Savior for us and then to say, you've got to believe in Jesus and then give us the ability, the faith to believe in Jesus. Wouldn't it be just like God to do that? Of course it would, why? Because salvation is a total work of God. He has done everything that needs to be done for us to be saved. The thing that remains is for us to believe. And you know what? He's taking care of that as well, hasn't he? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is, it is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast and wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we, if we ginned up the belief, the, the, believe, the faith to believe in Jesus, would, wouldn't we be boastful about that? Particularly when we got around people that hadn't been able to gin up that much belief. You know, we, we, we'd probably do the Superman pose or something. Tell folks how it's bad to be you, it's good to be me. At least I had enough faith to believe in Jesus. listen. Listen, when I got saved, the faith that it took to get get saved was no more my doing than the grace of God is that sent Jesus to die for me in the first place. It is the work of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. You say, Whoa, whoa, Joe, I was with you till we got to the perish word. And do I have questions about that? And your question would undoubtedly be Joe, I've known people that are Christians that have died, they've perished. So how can John 3.16 be true? If I know people who have been saved and who who claim the name of Jesus and who were obviously Christian people, they've died, they've perished. How does that line up with what John 3.16 says when it says they will not perish? That's a great question. And the answer to the question is what we mean by the word perish, what we mean by the word die. Understand that in the scripture, perishing or dying does not refer to the cessation of life. It refers to a separation. Not a cessation, but a separation. You say, well, Joe, that doesn't make sense because when people die, they're cessated, (laughs) right? I mean, there's no life left in them. No, 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 no. The body that they left behind, sure, it's lifeless, but the life that they were lives on, lives on. In fact, you understand that every human on the face of this earth that has ever lived is living or will live, will live forever somewhere because God gave us that kind of, of, of life in us. Now they're either going to go to hell or they're going to go to heaven. There's no other option. But everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. What John three sixteen promises us that if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, we will not be separated from God. There it goes. Remember, I told you the word die or perish means separation. We will not be separated from God because we will be given eternal life. Life forever in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. Listen, friends, I don't know what you think about statistics, but let me give you a statistic. 100 out of 100 people are gonna die. If the Lord tarries, it's 100%. Amen? That'll put joy in your heart, won't it? Well, the problem with that 100% business is you're part of it, and I am too. There's going to be a day if the Lord tarries that this whole body is just going to fail me completely. It's just going to quit. But it ain't going to be the end of me. Because the moment this old body fails me and quits... I'm out of here. I'm gone. Alive, in fact, more alive than I ever was on the face of this earth. I get to go be with Jesus. And the reason I do is because of this. For God so loved Joe that he gave his one and only son. And if Joe would believe on him, Joe would not perish, but have eternal life. They're probably wondering where that version of the Bible came out of, right? It's Joe's version. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but there's Joe's version. You you can do the same thing I did. Put your name in there. You, in fact, you ought to. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that you would not perish, you would have eternal life. Pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty powerful, isn't it? Pretty amazing, isn't it? Scandalous, I would say. How could God do it? And yet, how could he do anything else? But to send Jesus for the likes of me and you. It is an amazing story. You bow your heads, will you? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you actually have dealt with this truth, this verse? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you have accepted the gift that God has provided? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you've just been overwhelmed by the sacrificial love of God? Has there ever been a moment in your life when the death that you earned because of your sin was replaced with the life of God because of his holiness? And if there has never been that moment, then why wouldn't you want this moment to be that moment. Why wouldn't you give yourself to a God who loves you like this? Why wouldn't you give yourself to a God who is your only hope, your only future, your only way? And you would say, Well, Joe, how do I do that? And I would say, you just ask him. God, will you save me? Will you save me? Thank you for saving me. God, I believe in Jesus. And I want him to live in me. Would you save me? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, we want to welcome you to God's forever family. We would love to know that you just did that. There's a variety of ways that you can communicate that to us. You can slip up your hand and just let me know. Hey, Joe, I just prayed and asked God to save me. I'm not going to embarrass you with that. I promise. I'd just love to know so I'd pray for you. There are others of you that have prayed that prayer before and you need to follow up. You need to make it public. Maybe today would be the day you needed to do that or you need to be baptized. Or you need to join the church. or maybe, maybe all of that's in place, but it's just been a while since you thanked God for saving you. And maybe today, if that's you, you just need to slip your hand up, reach to the heavens, and say, thank you, God, for saving.